Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks again for joining us, man. I think let's start off by just giving a little bit of background in terms of why you're here, why you think it's important to share this stuff, and talk about some of the parts that you shared with us a few weeks ago around racism in South Africa and for the personal experiences you've had as well. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the opportunity, Rish. Um, I think, as you, as you rightfully say, like someone might ask, okay, what qualifies this guy to be talking about these issues, right? So, um, grew up in the 80s, the, basically the last decade of apartheid. Um, and from a family background, my dad was a political activist um, during the apartheid days and got incarcerated in 1986 to 1987 for a year without trial. And um, so from that perspective, I grew up or got instilled with a deep sense of issues of equality and um, social uh, justice. Fast track to 1994, actually about three days before the first democratic elections, we moved into a house in uh, Nosprit in Pumalanga in South Africa. Um, we were probably, I think, the fifth family in the suburb of about three to four um, square kilometers. And already at that age, as I'm entering into my teens, already experiencing what I might call the hangover of apartheid, right? So a lot of bullying on the, on the streets, uh, going to the shops, going to school, on the bus, having to defend my siblings and so on. So a, um, a, a quite a lot of harassment as a youngster, right? So which, which, which probably built up quite a bit of uh, bitterness and resentment because I, you know, you, you're living with this and you've got no way of actually interpreting adequately what you're going through except what you've been taught about apartheid and my own dad's own experiences, right? So one of the defining moments, I think, in that whole um, journey was in high school, I um, got into a fight with this um, white boy and I broke his jaw with a brick, right? And he couldn't take solids for about four months. And my dad had to have a conversation with me, you know, to confront these issues that I was having, issues of bitterness, you know, basically saying, look, you could have killed that boy, you know? And, and that's where the journey started, I guess, early on to start dealing and confronting these issues. And it was only later on in my adult years that I found a way to constructively uh, sort of engage with, 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 with issues of, of, of racism, right? And I think that it's, it's a passion of mine that it's a, something that we cannot run away from. You know, until we, we, we eradicate racism, it will forever be a fight that I'm going to be fighting. And thank you. Thank you for sharing. I think one of the things we also talked about the last time, right, uh, specifically in South Africa, and the way you described like the inheritance of the events that have occurred in the past and how that still impacts society and racism today, you know, I thought it would be a good opportunity for us to talk about that as well. So maybe you want to share some of that also uh, around specifically to South Africa. Yeah. So, so I mean, without getting into a long history lesson, right? right? Essentially, what you have in South Africa is that you've got from about the 17th century, the arrival of a, of a settler community, which in effect sets in motion a three uh, centuries of colonial, colonialism leading up to the turn of the 20th century where you start having a, a situation where laws are put in place to exclude the natives of the country, right? So starting in the, with the Land uh, Act where black people could not have 
the right to own land, right? So when you remove the access to land tenure, you, you essentially stripping uh, people of uh, access to opportunities, right? Um, and every decade there were different laws leading up to, to the nationalist government in the 1940s, which comes into place and puts a legal, uh, um, legally institutes apartheid, right, as a formalized institutional um, system of government, right? So you've got institutionalized racism and prejudice that excludes certain people from certain opportunities, reserves um, um, only small part of the, the country to the majority of the people, and you, you give access to opportunities to the, uh, the elite uh, uh, white minority in the, in the country. And how, do, how does that, what, what, what happens is that even though today we don't have a legal or institutionalized uh, system of prejudice and exclusion and segregation like we did in apartheid days, we are living with the enduring legacy of apartheid. So today, South Africa um, is the most unequal in terms of wealth distribution, unequal society in the world, right? Um, you, you have 50% of the population living on less than $5 a day, okay? So in a country where of 58 million people, where 80% of those people are black, you can understand that poverty therefore has a color to it in South Africa, right? In terms of income, white, uh, white households earn three times more than black households. Right? So these things are not by accident. It is the structural legacy of apartheid that we're living with today. So that is how, uh, unfortunately, racism manifests itself structurally in the society we live in um, today. Of course, in a broader sense, racism uh, manifests itself, as I've already said, in terms of the wealth gap, in, in terms of employment. Um, elsewhere, it, 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 it manifests itself is in terms of housing discrimination, like in the US, in South Africa, in the spatial uh, planning, in almost every urban setting, if you just take an aerial shot of the urban spatial planning, you can see where certain groups by ethnicity or color live, right? Which is part of the overhang from, from apartheid, right? In the US, it also manifests itself in terms of uh, government surveillance or, or racial profiling, also in terms of incarceration, right? The demographics speak to that in terms of the specific groups of people which are more likely to, to actually fill up the prisons. So we, that's how we're dealing, we're not dealing with maybe not so much with the overt racism, um, uh, but we're dealing with the systemic racism. And I think it talks also to the Black Lives Matter, uh, which has taken hold uh, uh, globally, right? That, in the U.S., while the Jim Crow laws were outlawed in the 1960s, Voters' uh, Rights Act was instituted in the 1960s. Today, black people are still saying it is still unequal, right? So th there is that is part of the structural um, legacy that needs to be brought down. Sounds like we've got still a lot to do. Sounds like we've still got a lot of growing to do and there's still a far way for us to go, right? Before I get into, you know, how do we evolve? How do we get there? How do we grow? How do we move forward, right? How do we continuously evolve as a human society? In your opinion, I want to talk about that. 
but in your opinion, like how have we evolved from the past to now? Like, so what are some of the key things that have actually changed significantly for us as we've grown from the past to now? So I think the, the, the biggest thing is, is that, right, that we, 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 it's, we don't necessarily uh, use the ugly names um, or, you know, we're politically correct, right. but ultimately the elephant in the room uh, remains, right, uh, in terms of uh, the systemic manifestation of um, racism, right? It, 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 it manifests itself in terms of exclusion, it manifests itself in terms of subliminal uh, gestures. Um, and, and, and the biggest thing I always talk about is that we don't see each other, right? And, and this is the part about privilege, that privilege affords you not to see the other person because your life will get on. So if I use a, a, uh, uh, an example of South Africa, a, a white person who's doing well, and this is a conversation I was having with uh, another friend of mine uh, a, a few weeks ago, right? that, and, he, and he, he, tend, he, he sort of tended to agree, right, the white chap, and he, that a white person who's doing well does not necessarily need to interact with any black person meaningfully, right? right? I mean, outside of his uh, domestic worker and uh, his gardener and maybe those three people at work, right? meaning that their lives will get on fine without interacting meaningfully right. with black people. Right. Right. And because we don't see each other, we therefore do not build an appreciation of the other people's lived experiences. How do we see each other? Like, how do now, we... talking ahead. about seeing each other, I think uh, I shared with uh, your colleagues uh, a few weeks ago the Zulu word Saubona. Um, which e effectively direct translation means that I see you, right? So it's right. imbued with so, with so much meaning that I, I, I recognize your, your humanity. I acknowledge your, your person, you know? Um, and and what, what it takes is that it takes one to stop being in denial around the issues of racism, right? Everybody is quick to say, I'm not racist. How do you know you're not racist if you've never meaningfully engaged with your own prejudice? We all have some, some level of prejudice, right? So I've got a, a story that I like to tell of a friend of mine, Jan, who, you know, grew up in apartheid, he's, he's quite older than me, but grew up in apartheid South Africa. And, you know, even though he was, he had adopted a black son at that point, I'm counting about 20 years ago now, he realized that he had not dealt with his own racism. And he took, you know, he's, he went on a journey of his own self-introspection to assess his own prejudice. And his own, in his own words, that he realized that he was racist and he, did, he needed to confront that. So I think that's the biggest thing, that we need to move away from the denialism and actually step into taking a meaningful look at ourselves, take a look in the mirror, right? The other part is that, it's about listening, right? So acknowledging that you have an ignorance around the other people's lived experience, right? So if I'm saying to you, this is my lived experience, this is what I've gone through, this is how I experienced racism. It is not your place to tell me that, no, it's not real because I'm not telling you a theoretical anecdote. I'm telling you, I'm sharing with you 
my lived experience. And the more we listen, the more we, we can have empathy for what the other person is going through. So we've had the luxury of listening, right? We've had the luxury of having you share this with us. And again, this is one of the reasons we're putting this content out there so other people can listen to it, right? But for those people listening to this saying, you know, I want to listen, I want to see the other side, I want to learn more. How do they, I mean, I think one of the things you really hit that you faced a real big impact specifically to that like for people that don't really have the luxury of of having you share content like the ones you're sharing now how do they immerse themselves right you know one of the big things you talked about the last time was immersion and so i'm absolutely learning more can you talk about that a little bit yeah look i think i'm glad you mentioned the the, the, the concept of immersion that i'm i'm very passionate about is that until you immerse yourself in the other world other than the world that you grew up with, you grew up in that, that you're familiar with, right? You will, it will always be a theoretical uh, exercise, right? I always say that it doesn't matter how much diversity training you go on or how much reading online you do, that is only a starting point, right? That it is about taking the step to intentionally immerse yourself in a community other than the one that you come from. Communing with someone in relationship because then they stop being just a person uh, that is a, you know, a, a stranger to you, but it's somebody that you care about and their stories and their day-to-day -day stories are, are things that you start to appreciate, right? You start to appreciate their struggles, right? So you, you, it, then, only then do we start moving towards bridging the gap, right? So. I think one of the things I like to say is that I've been where you come from. I've been to the township you grew up, you grew up in, 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 in Phoenix, in, in, in Durban, right? I've, I've hung out to the guys that you grew up with. And it is because of that that I think I can safely say I know you better than somebody who's just met you at work and, and it's just a colleague, right? So, so me, being involved in your life gives me a, a bit of a vantage point into your life and your personal struggles. And it allows me to have empathy um, towards your lived experiences beyond just a theoretical understanding. Yeah, I, 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 I knew that uh, the P on your hand was for Phoenix as well. <laughs> This is more Philadelphia. One, one, <laughs> one very important thing, right? I, I have a couple more questions to you, but one very important thing you talked about uh, as well was a platform for learning, like sharing materials, uh, reading, you know, going online, searching for stuff. What are your recommendations, top recommendations? So, so I think before, before I get into that, I mean, um, it sounds like you, you, you're wrapping me up. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing that we need to appreciate is that, you know, this is not about an attack on certain uh, people. What it is, it is about a, almost a plea, I can call it, for equality, right? It is a struggle for equality, okay? Somebody once said, I can't remember who it was, that the day we are born into this world, we sign a contract, by virtue of our birth, we sign a contract of uh, coexistence, right? So it is a social contract that we, are, we all sign. And this is what this is all about, to say, 
Let us coexist. Let us create a world that everyone can feel that they've got a meaningful place. You know, that, that they've got opportunity to contribute, that they've got equal recognition for what they want to bring to the table, right? So, so I think that is very important that the, the message resonates only if you've got an interest in equality. And, and I think only then can you then start to appreciate that it is not an attack, but it is actually a cry to say, recognize me. So the biggest hashtag in the last uh, two months is Black Lives Matter, you know? It is a cry, it's a plea to say, my life matter. Can you please acknowledge that my life means something? Right. So to your point about uh, resources, um, it, it is about, the, I think, be, be, beyond getting um, the resources that take an interest in listening. Um, I, I think there's two things to take out of this, right? Is that listen, immerse. Listen to the lived experiences of people and immerse yourself. Right? So, um, and um, part of listening is about uh, being open to learning. So I'll just share some, some um, resources that I find meaningful. This is a starting point, of course, of stuff online going on right now and the first one one of my favorite books is um, Long Walk to Freedom the Nelson Mandela autobiography um, very insightful read in, in terms of some of the stuff I've shared about the history of South Africa um, and um, his own personal experiences of course leading up to his own incarceration so he gives uh, quite a bit of insight in terms of um, his life, but also the, the history of the, the last decade almost, uh, of, the, of the 1900s. But what I also find quite encouraging and uh, inspiring about this book, of course, is that it's a well-known story of a man who chooses reconciliation over bitterness, chooses um, forgiveness over vengeance, and um, we're still far from that, from achieving his ideals, but I think definitely a worthwhile read in terms of um, getting a better understanding of the issues we're discussing. The other one, more contemporary, um, uh, is a big shot, fellow South African, uh, Trevor Noah, the book is Born a Crime, also an autobiography. Uh, I, I love uh, autobiographies. I think it's a book that you have, Rishan. But lighter read takes a bit of a comical uh, angle on same issues of racism, growing up as a, uh, a child of mixed race, and uh, tackles the issues of um, inequality and racism. There's plenty of uh, stuff to, to watch also on TED, and one of the TED Talks that I quite enjoyed is one by Raina Gordon. Um, it's, it's titled, Don't Be a Savior, Be an Ally. And um, there's a few others also, uh, TED Talks, um, that one can get into. So let me not bombard your viewers with too much well, stuff. I think, well, if you don't mind, what you can do is, is you can pop the links in uh, the video that we post. And so Great stuff. can access that and, and, and learn from that as well. Where can people find you? Where can people find what you're sharing? So I am Liseri Dibakwani on uh, Facebook. I am uh, Les Dibaks on Instagram. Um, I'm also Les Dibaks on Twitter. Not so active on Twitter because uh, Twitter is brutal. I'm scared of Twitter. <laughs> um, but uh, we also working on some stuff. I think I'm going to be formally putting up a blog uh, very soon. So 
I'll share that with you. Awesome. Well, dude, I got to tell you, God bless you for doing the stuff you're doing, for sharing the stuff you're sharing. I mean, I see so much of what you're putting up now, just from a woman's rights perspective as well, and what you're doing in the community. I love it. I admire you. You inspire me. I appreciate you. Thank you. And while also recording this, uh, I'm going to hold you accountable to have another session where we can share some of the stuff you're doing on women's rights specifically. There's someone you have to offer, someone you have to share, and you're making a big impact in society, and I love it. So can I hold you accountable to do that? Yeah, you're most welcome, my friend. Thanks for, for pushing me and pressing me to have this conversation. So I really appreciate it. Ah, I, I love it. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. I mean that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rich.